Welcome to The Nix, where we talk about pop culture until we can't stand it anymore, and we nix it. I'm Fanny Darling. And I'm Justin Hartung. As always, a quick warning, there might be spoilers for anything we talk about on this podcast, but we will do our best to let you know that they're coming. Hey, Justin, we saw a movie in a movie theater with people. I mean, just a few of them, but we saw a movie. Thank you and welcome back. As always, a plea to rate and review us. You can do that on, I'm going to try this really, really well, uh, Apple Podcast app, Podchaser, Podbean, Stitcher, and CastBox, or wherever you find your podcasts. Please rate and review us. I swear to God, it does help if people find us. I promise it does. Thank you. Goodbye. That list is probably already outdated, so even tell us how we're outdated on that list. We'd love to hear that. Anything. Yeah, just do it, please. Okay, that, that's it. That's that's. We don't have sponsors, so that is the commercial of our podcast. And what what's our main topic, Justin? Um, we, as you mentioned, saw Minari in a movie theater. Woo! And we can make eye contact while we say this because we're what, Justin? Recording in person. <laughs> ah! Um, which I had forgotten how to do, apparently. Um, although, I, to be fair, it took me about the same time it took me when I claimed to remember what to do. You didn't um, have Fanny's peanut gallery uh, <laughs> comments when, when we were doing it on Zoom, but... Yeah, uh, but hopefully this sounds better. So that's the trade-off is, you know... Um, yeah, we we're risking COVID, so you have better time. No, 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 no. we're not we're both vaccinated. <laughs> um, bad COVID jokes, um, but yes, we saw Minari. I uh, I believe just uh, off the top of the bat, I tweeted and or I Facebooked and you tweeted how fun it was to go see a movie together. This is I, you're my first movie buddy and my best movie buddy. Yep, and uh, it was really fun to go do that, and it felt weird. But I also went to the gym for the first time this week, and it felt really weird the first time I did it. And then today, I was like, oh, it's uh, gets less weird every time. So I'm hoping that is the reality of our world. Um, and you know this this feels normal and good. We, we got to work on our seating a little bit, but other than that, just a little bit. We're good. Um, we're old and our backs hurt. Yes, hundred percent. So. But we did see the movie Minari. I could not rope uh, Fanny into seeing Godzilla and Kong for our first movie, as Jacob. Uh, you didn't about. ask. <laughs> well, I thought you were like hell no. No, Maybe that was Dave. Nobody. Um, that was Dave. Okay. I would have done it. So we're gonna go do that. That'll be our next week. Um, because Dave does not want to see that. I found out. We saw Minari, which I have no regrets about. Um, and we will get under our view right now. I guess we're probably gonna do kind of spoilers. I mean, I mean, are there spoilers? It's they're they're kind of our. Okay, we'll be careful as we talk. I think. Okay. Um, because I don't want to ruin this movie for anybody, and I think a lot of people probably have not seen this yet. Um, but it is worth seeing and it is, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm happy I went in cold. So we'll just be very true. We, we did both say that we were glad we hadn't even really watched the trailer. So, yeah. okay. I, okay. I respect your decision. And if we need to get careful. into a spoilers conversation, we will announce it as we always do. Um, so this Oscar buzz front runner, which was written and directed by Lee Isaac Chung's the first movie I've seen by him, although apparently he's made like four or five movies. Um, it's a semi-autobiographical tale about his experience as a Korean American growing up in rural Arkansas. It follows the story of his family basically trying to build a vegetable farm and integrate into their very uh, rural American settings in the 1980s, I believe. Uh, Stephen Wen, who you may know from Walking Dead, plays the father and um, veteran actor... Yun Yujung, I'm sorry if I'm butchering any of these names, I sincerely apologize, uh, plays a grandmother who shakes up the family dynamic when she arrives from Korea. Um, there are also many other excellent, I feel like it would like, take too long to even go into all the cast of this movie because everybody's <laughs> excellent. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about that, but what did you think of Minari? I, I was blown away by this movie. It was... Again, I, I'm actually very glad that we went and saw it in the theater. Um, there was no dog, lo like, 
saying, oh, the DoorDash is here. There was no, you know, oh, I got a text message. There was nothing that took me out of it even for a second, which wouldn't have been a fault of this movie if I'd watched it in my living room. It still would have been just as beautiful and engaging, but I would have had the distractions and probably would have still loved it, but maybe wouldn't have interacted with it the same way. So it's a good reminder of why you go to a movie to see a simple, quiet movie and that you need to interact with art in a, in a way, in a very specific way as well. And that may be something that we've kind of lost. I've heard a lot of people saying, Oh, well, I'll never go to the movies again. I'll even pay $20 to watch it in my living room. I, I find that I get distracted easily. I'm, I'm, very seduced by my phone or I can just pick it up and do a text message real quick. I can't get my living room as dark as I can get a movie theater. (laughs) Even with, I I have a projector and a screen, even with that, it's not the same thing. And I do not get involved like I do in a film, uh, in a theater. And this film deserved that. And I was so glad that we went and saw it this way because it felt so personal and so intimate and so, beautiful on a very family level that I was so glad to not have anything except me in this film and you. I loved this movie. I just, I just loved it. That's all. What'd you think? Yeah. I mean, before we get into it more like hundred percent, everything you said, um, I just really, you know, it was a little scary going into a theater and, you know, even though we're, we're both vaccinated, but it's sort of, You know, like, how does this feel? And I was a little, like, I had a little anxiety burning in the back of everything. You? Yeah. And this movie really, it, it's a bomb in a way, but it's also like, as we talked about up front, like we hadn't watched the trailer and you watch it. And because of the way these movies work, you expect bad things to happen to people that you care about in these kinds of movies. Um, And I don't want to give spoilers but like there are things that happen but they don't exactly happen in the way that you think they do um and they're very much i I found myself nothing cruel nothing happens in this film yeah bad things happen in this film yeah uncomfortable things happen in this film but nothing cruel happens in this film and and nothing mean you know like like there's not a, a there's no writer or director that is like, "Ooh, I'm making something mean happen to this character." Well, you will so that you will be uncomfortable. Yeah, it's it it's very inclusive. It very much invites you in to this family. And the tension of it is the tension of just our everyday existence, yeah. even before COVID and during COVID and after COVID. Like it's a very, it, it just feels like you're watching life. But um, I also want to say it's beautifully written yeah it's like the screenplay is like a little perfect little box of like a little puzzle like everything is very tight like it yeah it feels like literature in that way like it doesn't kill you with the like metaphors and whatever but everything matches up in yeah. a very lovely perfect uh way but still has plenty of room for amazing performances and amazing um sort of questions i just found myself really by the end of it, the sort of culmination of it, I was weepy in a way that I was like, ah, this experience of, of life and, and seeing films and communal experience. Like it was kind of one of the most powerful experiences I've had in a movie theater, like maybe ever. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. It had callbacks to, to me, to being a little kid and watching uh, like places in the heart with with, Sally field and, and uh, John Malkovich. And that was, I remember my mom and I seeing that together and that being super, I I haven't gone back and watched it. I don't know. It could be super dated, but it had this, that same sort of feel of watching this family struggle and going with them and, and, and rooting for them in that same way. And the same sort of simple, the simple love of a family. Yeah. And, uh, and, this family also takes in a drifter uh, the way that, that the family in, in Places in the Heart does. They take in uh, Will Patton, who I... Will Patton... Man, it's great. You're, you're great. You've always been a wonderful character actor. He's great in this and has that very odd, like, member of... Odd member of the family that they've picked up on the side of the road feel in a really wonderful way. And I... Yeah, it was very... 
powerful and extremely touching. And, yeah, and just especially right now in a moment of unbearably horrible news about uh, anti-Asian attacks all over this fucking country, <laughs> which I just, there's a new one today or yesterday about a woman in New York that was, uh, it's like hard to even process any of this stuff right now. And um, this movie was just such an affirmation of kind of the Asian immigrant experience, how um, important sort of, that is to our lives every day. I mean, this is yep. literally about an Asian Korean family basically providing vegetables to the right. whole town. Um, and also being, like, wonderful, kind, like, people. Um, good parents and yeah. good to each other and yeah. good and also, children. And, and, and also just, room for being human. And yeah. it's that sort of Steinbecky thing, too, of, like... And also, I think a, a ton of, obviously, we, we don't have a great knowledge of I don't have a great knowledge of Korean films or like I know yeah. the ones that I've seen there's obviously a lot of other forerunners in that world that sort of probably set this up um but man these performances everybody uh, is so good it's hard to even like figure out how to talk about this movie because it's so there's so much and there's so many ways to approach it yeah um so I'm assuming then that uh Lee Isaac Chung that that he's David like mm-hmm. he's the oh. That's what I've heard a little bit. That's that's very yeah. That's even more heartwarming than totally. I, yeah. Um, I feel like we kind of have to go into spoilers. To okay. Talk about this sure. a little more deeply. If if you are have not seen this and are interested, it is currently and can't go to a theater. It's currently twenty bucks on streaming. I'm sure it'll be cheaper soon. But even if you it's, spend, it's 20 worth bucks, your money. Yeah. Uh, this movie is incredible. It's got a. Several well-deserved Oscar nominations. Um, support this movie. See this movie. Find a friend. Both put in twenty bucks from your separate homes and watch it. You you will not be sorry. I mean, the music, the, yeah. the cinematography, the performances. Uh, this came out last year, I guess technically, because it's eligible for Oscars now. Right. Um, this would have been at the top or very near the top of my list for last year. Um, so yeah. <laughs> Probably since our new rules, it'll be at the top of my list this year. There you go. Um, so, yeah. All right. We're going to go into spoilers. Um, one, uh, chicken butt. Two. Uh, uh, the chickens. Glass of Mountain Dew. Three. Um, uh, Don't make a spoiler out of your third spoiler. I know. Three. <laughs> oh, geez, farmers. We're going to go with farmers. farmers. Will Patton. Right. <laughs> three Will Patton performances. Um, yeah. So... So one of the things I found so interesting about this movie was its sort of relationship to faith. I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, It's really like made me think because I was watching it and I was like, oh, there's this sort of like idea of faith in this movie because they end up going to a fair amount of. uh, It's a somewhat Pentecostal church. Yeah, they go to this church and everybody's very kind in a way that especially in this current moment, I was like, is this realistic? Like, is this how it was and he basically has talked about like that's how it was for their family and maybe he was a young innocent and maybe his father didn't experience the same thing i mean i yes that is true maybe the father didn't experience the same thing but my mother grew up in a very small town in illinois and i know as a kid you know i i know i'm just different because i'm from california but i also know from my mother's experience of they had uh, exchange students from africa come and the way that the town my mother tells the stories of the town responding to having the very first black person in their town and they had to get permission to let him stay to swim in the pool and things like that and yet the townspeople they might ask insensitive questions but it was done in the same way that this is presented um i'm I'm making no excuses it's still racism but as a child you might not necessarily feel it and the people that are asking the questions may not even know that they're doing it um and this film presents that in a very just a very open way yeah that, that doesn't feel 
it doesn't feel judgy or mean. Right. Um, it just feels like this is what I experienced and this is the way people who didn't know any better did. And I mean, I think that, again, gets back to where it feels very literary in a way yeah. that movies don't usually. Yeah. Like, there's this sort of complexity that, like, movies off American movies aren't able to Yeah, there express. was no knowing wink. It yeah. was just these were the lines and the people saying them. It was like reading dialogue. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, I also just thought a lot about um, you know, sort of the the family's different faith. Like the father is, his faith is in kind of the American dream and success, and and Will Patton is like this sort of crazy extreme of very faith. Pentecostal, um, yeah. And and his wife is sort of somewhere in the middle of of using faith as sort of an assimilation, but also her faith is in believing that this family is going to hang together. And it's like, yeah. it really operates on all of these really fascinating levels. And in socialization, the faith gives her children friends. Right? It gives her a community. Yeah. It, it gives her an out away from everything that she's afraid of. Yeah. So. And then underneath it all is this grandmother who's, my God, this oh. performance is uh, incredible. And, and then basically this theme of, you know, plant things where they will grow. Like that is yeah. what is going to work. <laughs> As Parker always, always telling me, mom, meet them where they're at. It's, it's human, it's humanistic. Uh, uh, I don't want to say like religion, it's humanistic kind of faith and connection in a way that as somebody who's very turned off by most Christian things, sorry. Like it was like, Oh, this is really somebody grappling with their faith and sort of thinking about what that means. Um, I know that he has expressed that was really the director and writer expressed that was part of his world and still is. And I was sort of like, that's so interesting. Um, but I also had thoughts. I was like, is he gay? My first thought was like, that kid was so that thing of like, you're pretty like, no, I'm good looking. Best line in reading of the year, by the way. Freaking um, adorable. This movie's oh, also hilarious. If we haven't said enough, like, I don't think we've got enough. So credit. funny. It's so funny. We were laughing our asses off and felt like freaks. Yeah. Of- the other four people in the movie theater were like, what the fuck is wrong with those two? And yeah. we were like, it's dying. Really it funny. So funny. If you miss that, then you're a little broken inside as a viewer. Yeah. Um, but sort of his kind of, I like, but I don't know. I'm, I'm reading stuff into this in a way, but I think that's, what's amazing about the movie of being like that little kid felt so kind of like weak, partly because that was just how his family responded to him. And then he's like, like I'm strong in a different way than you think I am. Right. And the movie really leans into that. But and even when way. he was strong, when, once they were told he was strong, they were afraid to have faith in that. And totally. but he knew he was the whole time. Yeah. The, uh, Again, spoilers, but the 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 son has a, a heart murmur, and so he's never allowed to run or or do anything athletic or heroic in his mind. So uh, that's part of how they treat him as a, as if he's very fragile, and he starts to and sort of and rebel against that. Literally, the heroic thing is grabbing his grandmother's hand and express yeah. and it's like no that is heroic like yes. in that moment and telling you um, and and being able to tell your grandmother i i love you and i'm sorry that i was mean to you and you are my family yeah when i didn't know how to do that yeah that's heroic yeah <laughs> that's please come home with us that's this amazing a fucking masterpiece. Yeah. I it's so good. I, I really want to go back. I apparently saw like four other films. I'm really curious wow. what Me too. they're like. Um, I'm so happy. He seems genuinely surprised that this Aww. happened and connected. Well, and, yeah, because he's David. Of yeah. course, he's surprised. <laughs> exactly. It's like I don't know. I had some Mountain Dew and I made a movie. <laughs> also, I want to shout out the whole cast Ugh. is so good. The wife. Um, I feel like she's not gotten enough. She was so attention, good. and I'm gonna look up her name right now because I just want to. I mean, I am. I, we'll, we'll go back to her. I am proud of you, Stephen Yuen. I when you're wonderful and funny and wonderful and geeky and you i am so proud of where you are going in your career i am i'm glad that he helped produce this i know it was a vehicle for him as well but good for him for we've talked a lot about own voice you know own voices on this podcast the fact that he is producing and going back to his korean roots and really you know giving ups to all of that i'm really impressed with and he was 
so ridiculously natural and good in this role that and, I could not believe it. And a sexy beast. Well, yeah, yeah. He's also super yeah. hot. But you know, was, I, mean, I wasn't going to go there. I mean, but. it was such a great, like, sort of uh, James Dean and Steinbeck. Like, Absolutely. I know I'm sort of yeah. pulling everything back to American no, film. There was a but, lot of East of Eden in this. Yeah. I mean, a lot of Grapes of Wrath, too. But there was some East of Eden, for sure. And a little bit of Cannery Row. Yeah, totally. Oh my god, Canada <laughs> Rose is one of my favorites. Me too. Um, is it, I th- believe it's Yeri Han. I believe that is. Um, and wow, she was fantastic. Like this movie does such a good job of like looking at a marriage and yeah. sort of what um, what you sacrifice and the kind of like, quiet sort of things that you sort of shut down and and the thing and the ways you assert yourself when you need to and um, I don't know. Every moment of this movie, I kept being like. I feel seen for many reasons. Yeah. Like, and both of these kids were great. The 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 girl that played Anne was unbelievably oh, good. Both of the so kids, good. and it's hard to find. And they were just both so natural and funny and Hilarious. sweet. And yeah, this cast was outrageous. Yeah, go see Minari, everybody. Do, do. Um, please do. Really good. I'm gonna also download the soundtrack because oh. that soundtrack really floored me. It was just kind of. Perfect movie music. <laughs> I found I download. I mean, I agree with you, and I'm going to do that as well because I downloaded the soundtrack of Nomadland after we watched oh, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I fall asleep to that. That is a beautiful. It's just so the good. piano is unbelievably good. Yeah. So People this will be fun for that too. Great movie music. I feel like. Yep. All right. Should we do pop culture this week? Sure. Well, this as we call it three weeks. This half a month. We don't know how long we, it's been. As we call it now, uh, we did what you saw there. Yeah, we, we did what you saw there. For however long we were gone. Yeah. Sure. Um, you made me watch I Care A Lot on Netflix. You said you wanted to talk to me about it. Ask me questions. Go. <laughs> okay. What did you think of I Care A Lot? Did you care at all? Or Not a lot. <laughs> a didn't, little? I didn't care a lot. I cared a little. I mean, performances were good. I This was... Strange movie, It was right? a strange movie. Um, you said that you thought it was based on a particular... Like real woman, I went and looked that up, and and it said that it wasn't a real woman, but that people do this. Oh, weird. Okay, yeah. I thought it was based on. on it's not a particular, okay. not a, not one person in particular. So that made me feel a little better yeah. about it, but not a ton. Everybody in this movie was good. Rosamund Pike's accents good. I mean, I it it's been a long time and I haven't seen it, but. I've definitely forgotten it. Yeah, in a lot of ways. so I saw it. I yeah. watched it. We talked about it. Yay. It's it's a weird like it's a very slickly effective movie as yeah. you watch it, yeah. but there's something sort of um, I, I don't know like cynical. But you're like, what's your point? Like, yeah. I, I don't like the world is terrible enough that I get that this is. Yeah, I'm gonna a go story. from. I'm gonna take that that uh, segue right there for what's the point and Do go it. straight into Hulu Do and uh, Soleil Moon, Moon Fries Kid Ninety. So Soleil Moon Fry apparently used to tape record her friends and it like like she kept all of her answer phone. I say answer phone because I think I'm British. The message machine, but I like the term answer phone. All right. I like to say saucepan, too. OK, fuck you. Uh, anyway, she also had like, you know, all of her videotapes and all of that stuff and her her journals and everything. And. So she then said, oh, I opened this Pandora's box and I talked about my life in the 90s and, you know, how I had breast reduction surgery and I was objectified. That kind of bit was sort of interesting. And a lot of my friends committed suicide or died from drug overdoses because being famous as a kid is fucking stupid and don't let your kids go into Hollywood. At the end of the day, this, oh, and also I fucked Charlie Sheen. Um, I say I was 18, but I probably wasn't. And he was 29. And at the end of the day, this movie kind of had no fucking point, which was sad. Yeah. Because it could have had a lot more to say, but it was sort of like just all out there. And it was kind of like watching somebody go, hey, remember that time? Yeah, right. And also Brian Austin Green is here. And also Charlie Sheen was 29 when he took my virginity. And I'm going to say that we had this like cute relationship and he was my Mr. Big. Instead, it's fucking gross. And let's talk about that. And why eight? Why why there are eight rest in peace cards at the end of your movie? Mm. That Let's talk about that. Yeah. Let's talk about the fact that you were friends with Corey Haim and you're defending fucking Charlie Sheen right. taking your virginity. Right. I just... 
yeah. I'm sorry that you were famous and you got ruined because because you were famous and you and you developed too quickly. But also, you're talking about that while not dealing with this huge fucking monster in the room of what else happened. Who directed it? Was it a? I mean, her husband. Her? I mean, okay. it's kind of her and her husband. Right. Her husband is a producer. So it's interesting, but it's also at the end, it kind of has nothing to say, and it really should have had a lot to say. Yeah. So wasted um, effort there, I feel like. Um, I also watched P-Valley on Stars. What does the P stand for? I'm not going to say that word because, you know, (laughs) I don't like saying that word and you're not going to make me say it. So neener, neener, (laughs) poo-poo. It's not, um, it's not... uh... Polenta Valley. No, it's not Polenta Valley. <laughs> it's, it's not, not. A, about Italian restaurants. No, it's not. Okay. <laughs> it's not. It's not Pimento. <laughs> it's not Pinocchio. It's not any of those. I'm not saying the word, and you can't make me. Right, ha ha. So it's about strippers. So y'all figure it exactly. out. Um, this is so is so fun. And it's really good, and it has this really wonderful queer like men of color story love story that's like so awesome and also heartbreaking watch the show you guys it's on stars and yeah it's like there's a bit of gaziness about it that's like you know oh strippers and you know and queer people but it's also so much about it does it's unabashedly about people of color and queerness and it's and it's also kind of heisty and I loved the show. I want season two really, really liked P Valley on stars. Watch the show. Um, and then I watched a lot of, uh, uh, documentaries. I watched Q into the storm on HBO. The first three episodes, I think it's going to continue to, uh, to go on. Um, do not believe QAnon you guys, because this shit is crazy and you're all nuts. Uh, that's all I have to say about Q into the storm. So you're have, all fucking crazy. I do have crazy. a question about this movie. Yeah, please. I keep hearing different things. Please. In this documentary. Is it, do you feel like it sort of ends up a little like sort of not challenging QAnon people or d- does it? I mean, I well, I, it goes in with the, the premise that they're all fucking crazy okay. and that it's ridiculous and you should never okay. believe any of this shit because of course people are not feeding off the blood of babies you right. fucking idiots is it but is it trying to get it like why so many people believe that i mean not, yet. not, not yet i mean okay, it's just going it's into that. how they get yeah. all the people it's only three episodes are you gonna so keep far. watching it i mean probably because yeah. this shit is crazy and you're all nuts and it's part of our and it's part of our fabric of our madness exactly here. so yeah. i you know yeah. you kind of need to know but also nobody is eating baby hearts and ordering sex people, sex children, slaves off of Wayfair, right. you fucking morons. So the movie's okay? not like, or are they? No. As long as that's... <laughs> All right, um, what else? My watch want? just woke up because I said, you fucking morons, and said I won't respond to that. So also oh, we're being watched by my watch. Nice. So, yeah. Cue Into the Storm, it's fine. I also watched Persona, The Dark Truth Behind Personality <laughs> Tests on HBO. This that, is if somebody who makes book titles, that is a hilarious <laughs> subtitle. This was much like almost more interesting to me than Q into the Storm. It's mostly about the Myers Briggs, uh, which Anybody who's been on a dating app in the last 10 years, you know, INFJ, that's me. Uh, <laughs> I keep seeing some people's Twitter bios. Yeah, they're super like, into this what's shit. What's happening? Yeah, it, and but it's really, really about a the people that created that uh, quiz. I mean, quiz personality test turns out were yes science, scientists, <gasps> and it was a mother daughter, but also super racist. Oh wow! <laughs> like one of them wrote a really racist mystery novel about people who killed themselves because they had just a little bit of African American blood, and yeah, wow. And it's and it shows how they use them to weed out people who may be neuroatypical, who may be of certain races, who may... It's it's fascinating and dark and really, really interesting. Okay. HBO, Persona, The Dark Truth Behind Personality Tests. That's on top of my list for docs. Thank you. Very good. Also watch The Last Blockbuster on Netflix. It's boring. Don't bother. Who cares? What's it about? It's about The Last Blockbuster. What's The Last Blockbuster? Blockbuster Video. Oh, oh! 
Wait. Oh, no. Yes, I'm there's good. one Blockbuster left. It's in Bend, Oregon. Everybody that goes in there has to be at least 75 pounds overweight. That's the rule, or they won't put them on camera. Um, Dave and I drove by it. Yeah, see? So yeah. you know. Did you take a selfie? Because lots of people travel there from apparently <laughs> fucking Spain to take pictures in front of the goddamn like thing. Stupid. I don't care. Kevin Smith lost a lot of weight. He talks about having sex in a porno room in a video store. I don't care. Boring, boring, boring Nothing documentary. Don't watch it. I... I, I confuse it for a minute with the Tower Records one that Tom Hanks' son directed. Um, Chad, Chet, Co- or Colin? Colin, I guess the the nice one. <laughs> the nice one, good, um, great. But I, I enjoyed that, but mostly because I have such a nostalgic connection to... I have a nostalgic con- connection to, to video stores. This I mean, movie was not blockbuster, but... Friggin' boring. <laughs> really boring. Did not care. Okay. Didn't care. Adam well, Brody has a neck beard. Should we talk Go about shave, things Adam we've, Brody. we've both seen? Yes, please. All right, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Uh... This is uh, the follow-up to, well, not the follow-up, but the next thing on Disney Plus in the Marvelverse. Uh, this follows uh, Falcon, Sam, I forget his last name, and Bucky, Sam. Uh, Sam Wilson and Bucky Barnes. Buckerton. Bucky Barnes. Barnes. <laughs> um, How did I know that and you don't know that? You're the Marvel guy. I Here's why I don't know that I had very low expectations for the show, especially after WandaVision and how much we liked it. Um, Liked it? Loved it? Thank you. Yeah. What did you think of Falcon and the Winter Soldier? I'm going to make you go first. I liked it. Um, Once you finally got... We've only seen two episodes. Yeah. Once you finally got Falcon and the Winter Soldier together, show, like, jumped up, like, 100%. Like, the minute you started to have their banter and their, like, stuff that they do, Mackie and Stan together... That's that's your magic. That's why you have your show. The first episode of just doom and gloom and fucking banking process shit. I don't care about... Don't tell me about small business loans. <laughs> I don't care if it's realistic. I don't care if it's depressing. I don't fucking care. Um, and if maybe if they'd done it in one division, I would have cared. But the way they handled it in this would just felt like this is just... You're not doing this right. Um, and... Wyatt Russell has no chin. That's a whole problem. The Wyatt Russell <laughs> so this isn't WandaVision. I'm going to give it a chance. I do think that once they got them together, A, their banter became much more interesting. And the second uh, episode really kicked its actual point. message and its point way much more into gear about why, you know, what America is doing to Sam and and why he didn't want to take that mantle on and why he's betrayed that they went ahead and gave it to, you know, no chin over there. <laughs> um, but it took it a while to get to its point and I, I'm still going to watch it. I didn't hate this. I it, it wasn't an instant hit with me like WandaVision, but I'll stay with it. What did you think? So I just found out today listening to pop culture happy hour about this which i was like do i want to listen to this ah, i'm gonna say things about it from pop culture happy hour that it's only six episodes which is huh, like oh yeah then don't spend so much time in that first episode taking set like you know table setting um i will say again glenn brought this up on pop culture happy hour hi glenn you'll never listen to this um that the banter in the second episode actually felt forced and it felt worse to him than sort of following them individually. And I was like, I mean, that tracks for Glenn. I love you, Glenn. You'll never listen to this, but that's just how he is. Right. But I sort of was with him a little bit in that I've never been super invested in their dynamic, like as two characters, other than just sort of like, we both worked with Captain America and we both feel kind of robbed and like, legitimate and non-legitimate ways i'll say um so i i've never been a big fan of uh sebastian stan, stan. um i just and and except actually, for movies that you don't remember that he was in which was what again like we've seen him in things where you're like oh he was great i tanya things where but you don't oh, know right. that it's him mm-hmm. yeah forgot he was in that yeah i know that's what that. i just said things yeah. that you don't remember he was in you think he's great in <laughs> i believe i Hi, that's what I said. So, I mean, I don't blame him as much as the right. It's a tough character. It's a very tough character to make compelling. It's a dark character. Yeah, but there's there's a blankness that 
it's a, I like that this show is making fun of the stare. I mean, like, there's a that, blank, that's a big part of it because, and that is like, funny. But I do think the blankness is we took your mind and we made it what we wanted it to be. So of course you're trying to figure out who you are. Yeah. The blankness I get. Yeah. I, you know, if you've been tortured and brainwashed and yeah. made to be a robot, you'd be a little bit blank. Well, it's hard. I guess the thing that's hard is like Sam's thing as a black Avenger who's still harassed by the cops right. and whatever, you know. Which was a great scene. Can't get a fucking loan, you know, from the bank. That's Both the one thing I did scenes. like that yeah. scene. Like, it's like, okay, well, what's your point, Bucky? Like, it's comparing real world kind of apples to Avenger fantasy oranges. There's something there that doesn't, I don't really get. Why? Yeah, I mean, the realism of we have taken you and brainwashed you. There's so. Isn't yeah. exactly the same, but the fact that they're dealing with trauma of war. And, and if if you take, yes, it's not realistic that they're going to take somebody and give them a super, uh, super serum and turn him into, you know, a mindless fucking Nazi robot. Okay, that is unrealistic. However, the trauma of war and the trauma of you are brainwashed in the military. They're, not everyone, sorry guys, but in there is a brainwashing element to raw, raw, send, send young boys that we have taken off, you know, that we've sold this bill of good and send them in at 17 years old in to annihilate people. And that's a trauma that ends up when you're 30 being somebody else. And if you take that trauma versus and put it with Sam's real world, not being able to get alone, being harassed by the cops, and yet he's still a really good American, and, you know, I say that in, in scare quotes, and still doing right by people, they do both have real world trauma. But I get your point yeah. about that the way they're presenting what Bucky's trauma is, they really should just focus on the the trauma of war and the right. trauma of being a soldier instead of the trauma of Hydra brainwashed you and gave you super serum. Totally. And you know, it, it does. And this is kind of the larger thing that I want to say about both this and WandaVision. I like that both of these more than kind of any other Marvel thing I've ever seen are grappling with an idea. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I would say black, black Panther had a little bit of that and, Maybe the Iron Man movies had a little bit of like challenging military industrial kind of stuff, right. um, but not really. So they hang up mostly on right. the side of military industrial stuff. These are the first Marvel shows that are like, hey, women and people of color, like. Right, and traumatized people, yeah. you know, and, you yeah. know, I'll give Bucky that too. And, and I do feel like with his storyline of, do I tell this man that I have befriended? that I killed his son while I was brainwashed. Do I tell him that? I do think that they are trying to grapple with the real world yeah. trauma of what you did in war and how it, there are real world consequences. I do think they are getting there. I do not care for the Tony Soprano, uh, therapist scenes. Yeah, those no, are, I don't give a crap I like that actor about that a lot. Yeah. Like, oh, those are bad yeah. scenes. You want to, you want to like her, that. go watch Bosch. Yeah. You know, she's, <laughs> Don't, She's great. I love her, but it's like don't minimize that. Actually, minimizes what's actually happening in the undercurrent yeah. of this show. Um, but I will say there's something I super. I'm like, oh, I, I think I drunk texted you. Like, oh, this is like Black Lives Matter versus the Bernie Bros. Right. Like, there's something in this, and I don't know if they're going there, but I can certainly see some early potential threads of like, right, like basically this flag smasher group. Who is happier with life? Sorry, we're going into spoilers here. Uh, I'm not going to do this. One Falcon, two Falcon, three Buckies. Uh, basically, wow. is um, you know happier with life during the blip when they're essentially like militant socialists, like they're antifa with like super serum stuff, like um, and Bucky's sort of like positioned in a way. And I wonder if he's going to become sort of more sympathetic to them. And Falcon is much more like, hey, I get harassed on the streets and I can't get alone because I'm black. And don't talk to me about like what justice in this country is. I don't know that they'll go there. They probably won't. This is Marvel. I could be reading into too much, but um, 
I definitely got strong undercurrents of it in that second episode. I really like the woman who's in charge of the flag smashers. Like I was all like, wait, yeah, who's never this trust the redhead, right? Yeah, ever. But fantastic character. Like I'm already like, no, she was good. She's really interesting. Um, I could be wrong. We'll talk about it more. I'm sure. Don't ever trust the redhead. That's what that's what <laughs> you've learned. All right. I think we both like it. We'll keep watching it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Murder Among the Mormons. Yeah, that was on Netflix. A lot of alliteration there. Um, I watched the first half an hour of the first episode of this show, and I went, why is is it so? Why do I? Okay, what's going to happen is this guy's a forger, and there's going to be some bombs. Why do I know this story? And I thought, well, I listen to a lot of true crime. I read a lot of true crime. I'm like, no, no, there's something, something else. And all of a sudden, I started seeing Stephen Colbert in my mind, and I'm like, what the fuck? I'm, I'm like having a stroke. No, 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 no. So ripped from the headlines, Law and Order, Criminal Intent, yes, the one with Vincent D'Onofrio, fuck all y'all, I'm the person that watched that show, and I like you, Vincent D'Onofrio, and I like that show, fuck off. Anyway, um, ripped from the headlines in, I believe, the second season of Law and Order, Criminal Intent was an episode about a forger who sent a letter, who sold a letter to, it was a Catholic church, about Brother Jerome, who had a goat that walked as a man does walk and blew people up with a balloon bomb, and that forger was played by Stephen Colbert. And it was based on this story, and that's why I knew the story of Murder Among the Mormons. What did you think of it then? That um, what I just said was way... That the fact that it was based on the thing that I saw Stephen Colbert do on um, Criminal Intent was way more interesting than actually the rest of the story. Um, so, yeah. But it was fine. It was good. Was it too the, long? It was too long. Um, the guy had a high-pitched voice like that, and that was funny. And yeah. the other guy who was like, Mormon with the, the suspenders, he is kind of interesting too. But... <laughs> I mean, whatever. This is a fine movie, show, whatever it was. What did you think? Oh, and I forgot I have one more thing on to talk about. Too long. It was, uh, I don't know. I feel like that this is one of those documentaries on Netflix now. I'm like, this would have made a great hour and a half documentary. Uh, we do not need, there's not enough to say in this thing. There's not enough footage. Um, we both talked about, we tried to watch Dale and Lady in the Dale, um, which is a totally interesting story. Should boring not, show should not be five hours or whatever like just keep these things you don't have to use every piece of footage this is not it's the serialification of yeah. of documentaries it's like we don't need all of this like there are great stories that can be told in an hour and an hour and a half go ahead and do that please thank you very much that's my yeah Duplass brothers yeah um, all right, what did you forget? Uh, it's not that important. I watched Generate Plushun on <laughs> HBO. I, I stop putting fucking things that aren't letters in your show names. Just stop doing this. <laughs> this is like Euphoria Light, which means I could watch it without getting uncomfortable, but also it didn't have a lot to say. Lena Dunham, whatever. Stop making shows. Oh, it's the Lena Dunham thing. Right? She produced it. It's about, you know, like teenagers that have sex and are rich, and Martha Plimpton's in it. Oh, well, that now you've just screwed everything up. Because I'm like, what? <laughs> She's a Mormon. Okay. That's why I remembered. All right. <laughs> She's a Mormon. On the show. On the show. Martha okay. Plimpton is not a Mormon in real <laughs> Thank life. God. Um, all right. Should I go into my... my Please uh, do. We did what you saw there. I saw what you did there. I finally started, I mean, a few weeks ago, Ted Lasso, the Apple Plus, Apple TV show that people will not... Shut God, they about. won't shut up about this uh, show. <laughs> uh, I, I'm here to bring you the hot take that Ted Lasso is absolutely fine. It is very sweet. It is very warm. I feel like if it had been an uh, AMC, uh, you know, movie at, a, again, an hour and a half length, I would have enjoyed this. It would have been a great hour and a half movie. I'm going to finish the season because it's not that long and it's short and it's breezy and we're mostly still stuck at home. Um, the idea that there's a second and third season coming of this show, I'm like, this could not even fill out ten episodes of a first season. Like, I people and are, it's based on an ad, right? Is it really? Yes, yes. <laughs> yes there was an ad about this no. character, and then they, this is like you know, like when they made the Geico yeah. caveman show. I, I, he's his performance is very good. I will say. 
It's very sweet. It is so rom-com basic. It's like rom-com plus soccer sports movie, which is why it's sort of this cross, uh, you know, segment hit, I'm sure, for everybody. Um, There are worse things to watch. I'm not going to, like, shit all over this show, except... I don't want to keep watching after this first season. You don't have to. Yeah. There's nobody that told you you have to watch I this. I know. I just, I like to check in with the people. Speaking of checking <laughs> in with the people. Speaking of checking in with the people. I watched the goddamn Justice League yes, Snyder Cut that the people supposedly asked for. Okay, I told Justin he watched this show for over four hours that he got to talk about it as long as he wants. I so will lay spare waste, you all Justin. And not talk too much about it. Um, brief recap of Snyder uh, DC history. They mostly all suck. That's the brief history. Um, the Wonder Woman movie was kind of okay. Aquaman was definitely worth a drunk. Okay, the laugh. Wonder Woman movie, though, wasn't Zack Snyder. No, but he set up the world. In okay, which fine. All he set up the fights. world, but the Wonder Woman yeah, movie was not him. True. true. Um, this, it's less of a terrible Frankenstein y Joss Whedon. I feel like every podcast has said exactly the same thing, so I feel stupid even saying it. But they're right. It is less of a Frankenstein. But, as many people have also pointed out, you should not need four hours to tell your basic ass superhero movie. Um, also, if you're making these movies that just are essentially like the equivalent of a, like a Led Zeppelin album poster, <laughs> um, you definitely don't need to look at that for four hours. Like, you know, there are other bands that you could search for. Four, three ratio! <laughs> um, there's also a black and white cut that he released. Um, I... I keep just, like, punishing myself. I was like, well, I gotta look at that. I feel like it's some weird, (laughs) like, I don't know. Like, I feel like I'm in Saw. Like, a Saw sequel. People are basically like, ah, like, you've already seen one terrible one, but what would you do to watch a worse one? Or, oh, wait, there's an even worse one around the corner. (laughs) Like, (laughs) ow. I feel like I'm in a Rube Goldberg death trap of Justice League movies. That's where I feel like I am. Ow. <laughs> now I'm just trying to think of ways that I can torture you to make you watch some other version of Justice League. I'm like putting it through the Apple uh, photo app filters. Here, watch it in portrait mode. <laughs> <laughs> and also laughing hurts. Ow. This movie, I I don't even know what to say. I mean, Ow. I think I my best uh, summation of it is I tweeted and only your mother liked it, Fanny, of everybody on the internet. <laughs> yeah, that's because you kiss her ass. Oh, I wasn't kissing her ass with this. No, I, but you do. That's why she <laughs> likes all your tweets. I said, um... um <clears throat> The, the one upside of this is that I think we won't ever have to watch a big budget Whedon or <laughs> Snyder film ever again, but we know the universe you is know, cruel enough that it'll set me up again. Okay, so this is where it's cute, because you think your my mom liked that for some sort of like smart, funny reason. My mom doesn't know who Josh Whedon is. Josh Whedon is. She doesn't know who Zack Snyder is. She probably doesn't even know what DC is. She liked it because you tweeted it, and she loves you. Aww. Well, that's sweet. I'll take it. Okay. Um, that's much better than the, the saw. <laughs> My mom, <laughs> the day I moved to um, uh, Las Vegas, missed me very much. And it was also the night that the Buffy musical premiered. And the next morning she called me and she said, I missed you. So I watched Buffy and I have no idea what happened. And there was this song and this woman started screaming about bunnies. And, and then the next song, like, I'm pretty sure they were talking about orgasms. <laughs> So every time that I listen to the Buffy musical soundtrack, I hear my mom being very confused about I'm under your spell because, yes, mom, it's about orgasms. I love it. So, and it, yeah, that's doesn't know Whedon, doesn't know Snyder, loves you very much. Right, that's the I'll take. take it. I'll take okay. it. Um, Tina, the documentary on HBO. We may table this conversation a little bit for a future guest uh, panelist. Um I enjoyed it. It did not make me weep like a baby, which I thought it would. Um, she's amazing, obviously. I don't need to say anything about Tina Turner to anybody here. She is sick and dealing with a lot of health stuff and just wants to get the fuck out of the limelight. And keeps, More power to her. Keeps trying to purge herself of this story of Ike Turner. It is incredibly 
moving and sad about how she can't sort of wrest control of that narrative Ugh. and how it's like endless. Um, so much good footage of her performing. If you're a Tony, Tina Turner fan, this is kind of essential viewing. There's not even any like, I have no critical, like, uh, I don't trust my own critical sort of opinion of it because Tina Turner is amazing. Um, can't slow down. Speaking of eighties music, uh, because they actually talk about Tina Turner and private dancer in this book is, uh, uh, Michelangelo Matos, who's a sort of well-known music critic tackles the year of 1984 in pop music. It is so sprawling and crazy and gets into like, Everything from like, you know, there's like 20 pages on Purple Rain and 20 pages on Madonna. But then there's like 10 pages on like Style Council. It's like really like. I'm sorry, who what now? Just It gets into the, like the Brit pop stuff of that time. and the, But but that's a band name that you just said that you actually know who they are, right? Yeah. Okay, good for you. I mean, that's how that book is. It, I know. It covers, but... covers the world of. It tries to capture these moments because 1984 was such a pivotal. But the way that you just said, yeah, like, like, of course you do. I, I knew you in 1984. Well, I didn't. I, I knew you almost right around 1984. I have no fucking idea who that is. And you're, yeah, Fanny, of course. I. This is your brain in actors. This is my brain in music. So. I, I, I say this in all awe. I am not like giving you a hard time. I'm not mocking you. I'm truly yeah. in some sort of awe because I, it's I know book. what actors fucked other actors, but I don't know who yeah. wrote what. Everybody's got room in their brain for something. So everybody's got their something as the song goes. Um, sure. All right. As the song goes, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, but sure, of course it does. All right. Um, should we wrap this up? Sure, let's wrap this up. Okay. What are we? How are we going to wrap it up, Justin? You can talk to us about thought, all oh. these things we've seen, about your um, feelings about uh, COVID and going to movies or going to the gym or, you know, pleasing. Minari. Yeah, like <laughs> Minari or, you know, whether your best friend's mom likes you because she likes you <laughs> or whether she just thinks she things you say are smart and is really engaged with them and your friends are in denial about it. I don't know. Whatever you want to talk about. It. <laughs> oh my God, mommy's kissing your butt again. <laughs> Uh, you can do all of that at Facebook at the next podcast. Uh, you can email us at motionx at gmail. Um, there's also the Twitter, and we have a thing called <laughs> the at the next podcast. Um, I'm at Justin Hartung on Twitter. I'm at Fanny V Darling on the Twitter. And apparently, <laughs> being in the same room makes us insane. Yeah, we're real sorry, guys. See you next See week. You next week. <laughs>